0: Hello, welcome to Carmelite Conversations. This is Francis Harry, your host. And in honor of Corpus Christi Sunday, which is coming up, which means the body of Christ, I was inspired to put together some thoughts and words about how we can better prepare to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, in Holy Communion. And I have pulled from three major resources, uh, i've used used a little bit of material from other places but the three major places i pulled from were three books the first one is bread of heaven a treasury of carmelite prayers and devotions on the eucharist by penny hickey a secular discast carmelite the second one was hidden riches the eucharist in the carmelite tradition edited by elton griffin who was an OCarm, and the third one is called Eucharistic Colloquies by Mother, now Blessed, Maria Candida of the Eucharist, a Discast Carmelite nun from the early 1900s. First though, let us begin with a prayer. I'm gonna use a prayer um, to the Holy Spirit and then go right into a uh, prayer from St. Therese, the little flower on spiritual communion. So let us get recollected and sign ourselves in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, come. Come and enlighten our minds and enkindle our wills. Help us to know and to do your will. Therese writes, I cannot receive thee in Holy Communion as often as I should wish. But O Lord, art thou not all-powerful? abide in me as thou dost in the tabernacle never abandon thy little victim so just pretend for a moment that you are jesus hiding in the eucharistic host and you're watching the people come towards you in the communion line what might you see what's going on what do you think jesus sees what might his thoughts be Might he be saying, well, who's looking for me? Who's thinking about me? Sometimes they're thinking about what somebody's wearing or how somebody else is acting or what their shopping list is. Jesus might think, who's excited about receiving me? Who's looking forward to our union? Or who has prepared themselves to receive me? Or, oh, I have so many gifts to give and so few souls are open to receive them. The problem is, too many people approach Jesus in the Eucharist in a routine fashion, seemingly oblivious to the wonders of God before them, indicative of a poor or perhaps a very tired faith. Well, Blessed Maria Candida of the Eucharist, a Discalced Carmelite nun, Who had a great devotion and an immense faith in the presence of jesus in the eucharist hence her name and religion she must have pondered what jesus felt and and thought as the people approached him in the communion line and as a result she wrote this prayer in reparation this comes from the book bread of heaven oh my beloved in this holy sacrament how much i am tormented how much agony I must bring to mind to see the sight of the offenses that you bear in this most august sacrament. I would like to make a shield of myself. I would receive it all myself. O Heavenly Father, think about your only begotten Son made bread for men. O Holy Angel of the Tabernacle, guard such a treasure and do not allow those who profane the stained souls to come near. Accept this reparation, my love. In another place, um, Blessed Maria Candida of the Eucharist wrote this, and this is from the book Eucharistic Colloquies. This is a longer quote, but I think there is much food for thought for us. She said, Holy Communion taken almost as a habit and not accompanied by true thanksgiving is such martyrdom and distress for my heart. Jesus, though I hope I am mistaken in this, the love I bear you has often made me aware of the cold welcome you receive in return for your great gift. How painful that is. You know everything about my life. Devoted to you, the Eucharist, It is only because you are hidden, because you are too good, that we treat you so badly and repay you so poorly, O Jesus. What fruit can those most holy communions, taken in the wrong state of mind, bring to the soul? It is through the loving warmth of a true rendering of thanks that affection, feelings, and attitudes similar to yours, Jesus, spring in the soul... And it is only in this way that communion with you is nourished and made strong. Let all the souls Jesus, receive communion for love and with love. Let them put all their effort into voting as much time as they can to thanksgiving and I will soon bring you, my beloved souls yearning for you, determined to offer themselves and genuine genuinely dedicated to the attainment of their own sanctification let everyone experience of Jesus despite our narrow mindedness and through your grace let everyone experience what comes through Holy Communion when received with the right state of mind what you can and what you want to give when you reach our hearts isn't it true Jesus that when we close our eyes, silence our senses, clear our minds from all distracting thoughts, your work begins? You are the one who came down here to do good. Would you now come as a stranger without bestowing your mercy upon the land of our souls? Jesus, how I wish I could make myself heard and be an apostle of Holy Communion, allowing everyone to have such an experience so in this she tells us we we need to work on preparing for communion so that the affections the feelings and the attitudes of Jesus will spring up in our souls as she has pointed out and then she she does enumerate she says we need to close our eyes silence our senses clear our minds from all distracting thoughts so that he may begin you know our focus needs to be on him well, I want to add, and this is from my spiritual director. Uh, he was pointing out to me how Jesus was describing to St. Faustina, um, the apostle of divine mercy, uh, what happens at communion time. He, he says, this is Jesus speaking, and we're paraphrasing. I peer out of the ciborium and look down the line of communicants. To see if there's a flame in the heart of anyone the flame of desire and i am often disappointed isn't that sad so we need to have this flame of love this desire for jesus we should be eager in approaching him in communion when saint faustina received two hosts one time at communion she asked jesus what was that all about and jesus told her that well no one else really desired to receive him So he was giving her all their gifts and graces. And then from another mystic, this is Sister Mary of the Holy Trinity. She's a poor clare in Jerusalem, and there's a couple books written out on her, very inspiring. Jesus complains to her, saying, those closest to me wound me the most. Now, why do you think that is? You know, he would expect that they would be Uh, looking forward to uniting with him in communion but then he gives us the reasons okay he says uh, one of the reasons is ingratitude the insensitivity and lack of appreciation for the many daily gifts I give another reason that they wound his heart is coldness no desire for close friendship with me maybe all they're doing is thinking of close friendship with others and um, neglecting to develop this intimate relationship with Jesus. Another reason they wound his heart was lack of trust. They forget that I am all merciful. We know St. Therese, the little flower, that was really big, this trust, this confidence, this uh, surrender and abandonment, uh, trusting in his mercy and his love, his um, great love. And that leads to this next reason, lukewarm love. Jesus says our friendship becomes an onerous duty. Ah, that hurts. And one of the final reasons he gave her was betrayal. They use my graces to offend me. Jesus said that the perfect Thanksgiving is just to keep saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. So we we need to remember that the Holy Mass is the greatest prayer and the way that we treat Jesus in Holy Communion is the way we will treat him the rest of the day and is indicative of the kind of relationship we want to have with him. If you don't think about Jesus in your day, then what kind of relationship do you want with him? We must spend time with someone in order to have a deeper relationship with them. Perhaps we have forgotten... Um, some of the benefits of receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. And of course, that list might be really, really, really long, but I'm I'm just going to use this quote from St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, also known as Edith Stein, um, who gives us um, some benefits to consider. And this is from her Essential Writings. She says, Communion delivers us from evil because it cleanses us of sin and gives us peace of heart that takes away the sting of all other evils. It brings us the forgiveness of past sins and strengthens us in the face of temptations. It is itself the bread of life that we need daily to grow into eternal life it makes our will into an instrument at God's disposal. Thereby, it lays the foundation for the kingdom of God in us and gives us clean lips and a pure heart to glorify God's holy name. Participation in the sacrifice and in the sacrificial meal, which is mass, actually transforms the soul into a living stone in the city of God. In fact, each individual soul into a temple of God. Okay, so who would not want that, right? Well, I wanna go on to um, what St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi, um, who's a Carmelite nun from the 1500s, she's from Florence, Italy. She gave us some instructions and this is also um, listed in the book Bread of Heaven. It's her teaching on most holy communion, and there are six points here that were pulled from the complete works of St. Mary Magdalene de Pozzi, volume one. All right, so here they are. Number one, when you are to receive communion, think that you are about to perform the greatest and most worthy action that can be done, which is to receive the Lord God within yourself. Secondly, Guard against going to communion through habit, or by chance, but go with actual devotion. Three, if you realize that as long as the sacramental species continue, you have within you the entire most holy trinity, you would not go to communion only occasionally. And you would also think about it before you left off communion, in order not to be deprived of so great a good. The fourth teaching, take care lest on account of your little desire and disposition, you may be the cause of closing that little window of heaven. The fifth point, one cannot find a more effective means of perfecting a soul than to approach this divine table. And if you knew how to use this well, in a short time you would become filled with the love of God for only one communion is enough to make a soul holy. And finally, this point, never of your own will deprive yourself of communion because you do not know if that communion might be the very time when God has determined to give you some grace and particular gift. Now, one of the... Um, things that St. Mary Magdalene said when when she was uh, talking about uh, receiving Jesus. She said, ah, sisters, if you could be worthy, even in the least degree of the great thing of which you have deprived yourselves this morning by not receiving communion, you would do nothing else today but weep. So we really, we need to make sure our our soul is prepared, uh, no stain of mortal sin and and hopefully not venial sin, but if we do, you know, uh, we need to be contrite and, and trusting in the mercy of the Lord. Uh, but if it's mortal sin, of course, we, know we need, as Catholics, we know we are to go to confession before receiving communion. But St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi says this, For in receiving God in the most holy sacrament, you receive the entire most holy trinity for as long as those accidents of the most sacred host remain within you. During all that time, I say, those eternal and admirable operations that are continually going on among those divine persons go, with all, go on within yourselves. And what an honor this is for you, a creature, but is still not known and still less realized. So the next time you Catholics uh, are prepared and are ready to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, just think about the presence of Jesus you know, and where he is God the Father and the Holy Trinity, uh, in the Holy Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present, and and the operations going on between the the three, the three in one, are happening right within you, in the host that you've received in communion. It's just an amazing thing to consider. Another thing she said, um, she was reflecting. This is how she prepared. She's reflecting either on the love shown us by Jesus in the Eucharist or or his passion and memory of which the Eucharist was instituted. And she would first become inflamed with the most loving gratitude. So she approached with gratitude and then beginning to consider her nothingness in comparison to the infinite divine greatness, she would approach to receive this sacrament with so profound reverence and fear that she used to say she was expecting some time on account of her unworthiness, that the earth would open up under her feet in the performance of this action. So, I mean, she was really taken out of herself and many times she became ecstatic in uh, her preparation for Holy Communion and then would receive Jesus while she was in an ecstasy. And that, that is from from some of the witnesses. And she keep telling us, oh, how great a thing it is to receive God. So uh, I just thought that you would enjoy uh, having that uh, teaching from St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. Finally, uh, I turn to Holy Mother, St. Teresa of Avila, a Discast Carmelite nun, a mystic doctor of the church, for some instruction on the pre- preparation and reception of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I'm pulling this from the book, Hidden Riches. Um, this is from a conversation uh, between Philip McParland, Uh, Discuss Carmelite in conversation with Elton Griffin and O'Karm first want to point out that um, it is in the Second Vatican Council well we're reminded about the encounter with the Eucharist is an encounter with the Living Christ crucified and risen and that they point out that Christ is present in four different ways So this is the Second Vatican Council telling us, first, um, Christ is present in the community because where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the middle of them. That's from Mark, uh, chapter 18, verse 20. Secondly, Christ is present in the person of the priest, which we often say in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. He takes the place of Christ and he is praying the Mass to the Father on our behalf. Thirdly. Christ, of course, is present in the scriptures. And the general instruction of the Roman Missal says when the scriptures are read in the church, God himself speaks to his people and it is Christ present in his word who proclaims the gospel. And finally, and fourthly, Christ is present in the bread and in the wine, uh, in the transubstantiation when the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Christ. Now, we know as Carmelites that Holy Mother Teresa had a great emphasis on the centrality of the humanity of Christ. She was always encouraging us to keep our eyes on Christ. And I think one of the reasons that this was um, so important to her was because during her time, there was a denial of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist by the Protestant Reformers. And uh, so she would emphasize it and you know uh she would say uh, for example one of her teachings um, which can be found in the way of perfection this is in chapter 34 she says if we don't want to be fools and blind the intellect there's no reason for doubt receiving communion is not like picturing with the imagination as when we reflect upon the Lord on the cross or in other episodes of the Passion, when we picture within ourselves how things happened to him in the past. In communion, the event is happening now and it is entirely true. There is no reason to go looking for him in some other place farther away. So I think that's really beautiful to think about this happening now, truly present within us. And further in the same work, she writes, I know that for many years, when she received communion, this person, which was probably herself, though she was not very perfect, strove to strengthen her faith so that in receiving her Lord, it was as if with her bodily eyes, she saw him enter her house. Since she believed that this Lord truly entered her poor home, She freed herself from all exterior things when it was possible and entered to be with him. She strove to recollect the senses so that all of them would take notice of so great a good. I mean that they would not impede the soul from recognizing it. She considered she was at his feet and wept with the Magdalene, no more nor less than if she were seeing him with her bodily eyes in the house of the Pharisee. And even though she didn't feel devotion, Faith told her that he was indeed there. You know, another reason why Teresa focused on the presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament was because of her desire to have the Blessed Sacrament reserved in the new monasteries. She was very excited. uh, And on day one of establishing these new monasteries of the Reform, um, she would make sure that... um, They set up the blessed sacrament and, you know, because now here is another place where where Jesus would be adored, that he would be glorified and that his graces would go out to the community all around. So it was a blessing to everyone, uh, even people who didn't believe in him, to have Jesus present. And, you know, that goes for today as well. Wherever there's a Catholic church and Jesus is present in the Eucharist, in the tabernacle, he's sending out graces and blessings to all around So another reason would be um, why Teresa focused on the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist was because of her personal experience. And of course, if you've read her works, um, you're very familiar with the many, many times she refers to that. Um, For Teresa, personally, the presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, or the Holy Communion, is the source of three things, and and this was pointed out in the article. it's the Jesus is the source of three things in the Eucharist a source of healing, a source of strength, and a source of intimacy. So she was so convinced that Jesus was healing in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, there'd be spiritual healing, emotional healing, healing of relationships, and even physical healing. And I take this quote to help. Uh, point out um, that uh, emphasis of Jesus as the healer this is Teresa writing about herself she says do you think this heavenly food fails to provide sustenance even for these bodies that it is not a great medicine even for bodily ills I know it is I know a person with serious illness who often experiences great pain who through this bread had them taken away as though by a gesture of the hand, and was made completely well. And she continues, Now then, if when he went about in the world, the mere touch of his robes cured the sick, why doubt, if we have faith, that miracles will be worked while he is within us, and that he will give what we ask of him, since he is in our house? His majesty is not accustomed to paying poorly for his lodging if the hospitality is good. And that is from the Way of Perfection, chapter 34. Another aspect is the source of strength. Jesus in the Eucharist as a source of strength. You know, in Teresa's book, The Way of Perfection, in the second part of it, she has a commentary on the Our Father. And when she gets to the petition, give us this day, our daily bread she starts giving us more teaching on the Eucharist and she interprets that petition this way she says the food we need for our bodies but also the food we need to nourish our relationship with Christ the Eucharist in in the chapter 34 of the way Teresa tells us quote that by the gift of the Blessed Sacrament Jesus remains with us to help encourage and sustaining, sustain us in doing God's will, that what we had prayed in the previous petition might be done in us. She says that Jesus has given us the manna and nourishment of his humanity, that we might find him, and that He is teaching us to set our wills on heavenly ways. You know, she was very aware of her own weakness and that Jesus is our strength. And of course, that's very scriptural. St. Paul talks to us about that. But left to herself... And relying on her own strength she knew that it was impossible for her then to do the will of god to live like christ so it was in the bread of the eucharist holy communion the great source of spiritual nourishment in which she received the strength to do god's will and so do we we receive the body of christ in the eucharist in order to become the body of christ for each other and to be st- the strength of Christ for each other as we allow him to radiate in and through us to others. Finally, um, Jesus as a source of intimacy in the Eucharist. You know, in chapter 6 of John's Gospel, Jesus says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I live in that person. As the living Father serves me, and I draw life from the Father so whoever eats me will draw life from me so receiving jesus in the eucharist was an experience of communion with christ a union come union with union with jesus so for Teresa, the time after communion was a a time of deep intimacy with jesus this is a time for her to be with jesus her beloved and this is what she says and this is from Um, The Book of Her Life, chapter 39, verse 22. On occasion, there came over me such ardent desires to receive communion that I don't think they could be exaggerated. They came upon me one morning when it was raining so hard it seemed impossible to leave the house. When I was outside the house, I was already so outside myself with the desire for communion that even should lances have been held to my heart, I think I'd have gone into their midst. How much more into the midst of the rain? Well, and of course we know after receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, St. Teresa of Avila had many mystical experiences. And and um, I just want to point out, you can go to her soliloquies and her spiritual testimonies to read about some of those. So uh, if you want to get inspired and fire it up, um, I would go check those out. So um, I have this other quote from Teresa, Uh, this is from the spiritual testimonies uh, as an example of her relationship with Christ. She said, on another occasion after receiving communion, it seemed most clear to me, she says, that our Lord sat beside me and he began to console me with great favors and he told me among other things, see me here, daughter, for it is I, give me your hands. And it seemed to me he took them and placed them on his side and said, Behold my wounds, you are not without me. And then finally, we can hear from Teresa um, these words from the Way of Perfection, chapter 35, verse 2. Now then, sisters, consider that if in the beginning you do not fare well, the devil will make you think you find more devotion in other things, Unless in this recollection after communion, do not abandon this practice. The Lord will see in it how much you love him. That's very important. And so, you know, it's so important to become an intimate friend of Jesus. Now, do not delay. Do not put it off. Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, in the year 2012 said this, which I think is very important. He said, The most important thing in your life right now is to establish as close a relationship with Jesus as possible. So how are we doing that? And we as Catholics know that by preparing and receiving Jesus in the Eucharist is the most potent way uh, for us to grow in our union with him. Jesus said to Sister Mary of the Holy Trinity, that poor clear mystic in Jerusalem, he said, You know, everyone knows that I'm holy, but who knows I'm nothing but pure love. And then he goes on to tell her, there's only one reality. I love you and I take care of you if you let me. I have only one big confession to make to every soul. I'm madly in love with you. In fact, Jesus can't help but love. That's his nature. So Jesus tells us, ask to know me better. Because there is only one meaning to every person's life. It's to find me. And this is Jesus speaking. To find me. Two, to get to know me. Three, to believe completely in my love. And four, to accept me totally into your life and every aspect of it. I have but one thing to say to you. I can't stop loving you. I ask only for love. What are you doing about it? So I hopefully we've, we've talked about a few things to help you uh, consider how you have been preparing and what you can do to better prepare to receive Jesus. You know, Jesus said to St. Faustina um, at Holy Communion, he said, I'm like a parent, a mother who loves each one of her children so dearly with an infinite love and intensity. My true friends are those who understand my great care and concern. They know how a parent thinks and feels inside, that I am full of feelings of warmth and joy. So they welcome me at Holy Communion with great joy. So happy are they to see their Creator that they almost leap into my arms with great joy and enthusiasm. I just want to issue a spiritual challenge right now. The next time you go to Holy Communion, all you Catholics out there, Think about this, leaping into the arms of Jesus with great joy and enthusiasm. Jesus says, they say they love me and they want to know how I'm doing and how I'm feeling and how eager they are to console me. They can hardly wait to tell me what's happening in their lives. They thank me for all I've done for them. They tell me very frankly exactly what they need. They tell me also the needs of those persons dear to them. They ask me to bless their projects and their endeavors. They take me with them, and how truly they love me, and that they cannot suffer to be separated. You know, Saint Teresa, the little flower, stay with me, Lord, stay with me as in a tabernacle. So, you know, these are some of the things that that we can do. Um, so, uh, let us think about uh, how we are approaching. Jesus in the Eucharist and um, you may want to consider uh, those three sources that I mentioned at the beginning uh, to look into them because there's so much more and I just pulled just a few little things but I hope there was something that would help you to be eager and joyful and excited about receiving Jesus in the Eucharist and treasuring that intimacy with him in that special time. So, I just want to say if you want to leave me some comments, there is a way to reach me. Um, you can find me at Carmelite Conversations on Facebook. And also, you may reach me at Carmelite Conversations at gmail.com. Yes, I set up a new email account just for people who uh, want to address uh, some of these conversations. So, Carmelite Conversations at gmail.com. Com. In closing, I want to use a prayer that many Catholics have used, um, it's the Anima Christi. It's a prayer from around the 14th century that is widely used after receiving Communion. It's very powerful and it is a good way to prepare also for Communion, um, also afterwards in Thanksgiving, uh, something that you might want to use in a holy hour um, in adoration so let us get recollected and let us pray in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen soul of christ sanctify me body of christ save me blood of christ inebriate me water from this christ's side wash me passion of christ strengthen me O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee, from the malicious enemy. Defend me. In the hour of my death, call me and bid me to come to thee, that I may praise thee with thy saints and with thy angels forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to thank you for joining me. I hope you have a most blessed Corpus Christi Sunday. And if you are hearing this at another time, I hope that it has helped you to prepare for your next reception of Jesus in the Eucharist. And remember, we can make spiritual communions all day long. Um, But I am grateful to share the the wisdom of these saints uh, and these friends, these intimate friends of Jesus. And I hope they've helped you. So may God bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you. Until we meet again, God bless.